Welcome to No Applause, Just a Clap. I'm Doug, with me is Deb, the only show that says, Oh, hi, Deb. I just, I really wonder how many people are going to understand how funny the disaster artist actually is if they haven't watched The Room. And I find that, um, I haven't seen The Disaster Artist yet. I'm going to see it next week. Well, you've seen the trailer, though. Yes. <laughs> Line. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Um, James Franco got the the weird characteristics and mannerisms down. Well, he said that he felt like really like like personally tied to Tommy Wiseau. Well, it's just his weird accent. The weird like East European. I've worked with a lot of Eastern Europeans. Oh hi, doggy! Keep the change. I I don't even know what kind of accent that is. It's. Eastern European, and he said he's, well, we don't know what he said in terms of where he's from, because it's Tommy Wiseau, and I just wanted to do the whole gag of, hi, Dab. <laughs> oh, hi, Dab. Well, you rewatched The Room, though, getting ready. I did. What, was it as, as bad as, as I it's, remember? It's, it's still hard to get through. Um, it It's the repurposed sex scenes... <laughs> Of which there are a few, three in the first half an hour, uh, maybe even forty minutes. But like the fact that there's a four-minute sex scene in the first, let's say, twelve minutes. Thanks, so that Mr. a Skin. third, not even, but like, like let's say like there's a four-minute sex scene in the first twelve minutes, which means the first third of what you're watching it's a sex scene is a really awkward sex scene almost heterosexual I'm sorry almost homoerotic I was gonna say like yes Doug it is but like he's obsessed with his own butt for a lot of those sex scenes which he does repurpose the film for it's it's still a hard watch. Um, There's a reason why that and Manos Hands of Fate are like two of the worst films ever made. No, but the ro- the room not to be confused with room, room with uh, Captain Marvel. Um, Brie Larson. Thank you. Uh, the room is hailed as the Citizen Kane of bad movies, and. Yeah. I, I'm glad that Tommy was so, and I, apparently his new film, he did do a new one. He did a new one? Yeah, well, apparently it's amazing. So apparently he, it's really good. So he learned? I don't know who he scammed out of, because apparently The Room was $6 million. Well, he financed Which means you could have, excuse me. You could have had an Iron Man suit in it for like at least a scene. Excuse me. Oh, popcorn again. Ugh. Deb's popping up popcorn. I'm burping popcorn, because that was the movies last night. Which we'll talk about. Do you just want to get into that? Super quick. I went and saw Ferdinand last night? That's not what I meant. Oh, that I'm burping popcorn? No. Oh, I went and saw Star Wars on Thursday, and Doug hasn't seen it yet, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. Can you say if it's good or not? I liked it. I heard there I are thought... a lot of plot holes. Well, yes, but, you know, it's it's Star Wars. Now, can you tell me what you told me when I talked to you? 
I don't remember. Let me refresh your memory, Deb. Okay. And why we're not friends anymore. Oh, I told you we didn't want to talk about that. Well, I'm going to bring it up regardless. Because no. that's what adds conflict to this to this show. Well, what I was going to say about Star Wars is that I really actually liked a lot of the sound work. Like the noise that the ships make when they pop out of a hyperdrive. Wow. No, it's like a very kind of almost loud popping noise. Like what's going on in the background while they... Vacuum? Vacuum. Well, I mean, we should be expecting Garbatron, but I really don't fucking know. I don't know. But yeah, I saw Star Wars, or as I told Doug, the new Star Trek, on Thursday. And actually, God damn it, we're not friends. And I said, that's, <laughs> I said, that's fair. Like, I should have hung up on you. Like, the minute you said I saw the new Star Trek, I should have been like, nah. Yeah. You, you don't hang up on me. I should have. I should have. But Against I, my better judgment, I did not. What I was going to say is I went with a friend on Thursday. We went to the 7 o'clock showing. Yeah. And it was actually really nice. It was uh, completely sold out, obviously. She got our tickets weeks ago. Okay. And it was a really fun crowd. Because I was going to say, everybody was very excited and happy and all that. It's always nice to see a movie with people that are excited about it. So yeah. it got out. It's surprisingly long. Not like Blade Runner long, but surprisingly long. I've actually heard that they could cut half an hour off of it, which seems really they, they, weird. They probably could. Wow, okay. But like I said, we got out, and well, first of all, when we got there, the concessions line was over an hour long. Yeah, that and makes when, sense. when we got out, there had to be at least 400 people waiting to get into the movies that night. To the next showing. Well, like, probably the next three showings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we got out, because, I mean, we immediately got in and got pretty decent seats, even though we only got there a half hour early. The and they seven. weren't reserved seats? No. Okay. I was going to say, it was a 7 o'clock... It was first come, first serve for... I think it was just because that was kind of the 7 o'clock showing and they didn't want to deal with it. I know that the later showings had reserved seating. Like I said, I know that the later showings had reserved seating, but yeah, we got out and there had to be at least the next three or four showings completely sold out and waiting. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't surprising, but it was really fucking cold that night and there were people completely waiting all the way down the sidewalk outside looking cold as fuck. Wearing their giant robes, which Actually, apparently are not. I only saw one person dressed up, and she was dressed up as Queen Amidala. Mm. That's a lot of layers. Well, I guess, know. like with the headdress and all yeah, that. Yeah, the headdress, and then it's like a modified kimono almost. Yeah. I was gonna say so. That's probably a good choice considering how cold it was that night. And then, of course, it took us, you know, over a half hour to get out of the parking structure. Oh God, yes. Where did you see it? Uh, the theater up on Colorado. Ah, uh, yes. The Colorado IMAX. Uh, Colorado 925, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, and you know that parking structure's like it's seven not good. fucking floors. But well, it's super and it's narrow. not great to, yeah, exactly. Not great to get in or out of. I have to tell you, though, I saw a minivan whip out of a parking spot like I haven't seen in a long time. Did it make a... I was going to make a joke. Did it make a... a, a, a what do they call those? Those swords they have. Lightsabers. No, it did not make a lightsaber noise, unfortunately. And that's okay. one thing I do have to say about new Star Wars is the choreographing on some of the fight scenes is excellent. So there are fight scenes. That's all I need to know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm good. We can move I on. have not watched a... Well, I do want to say this, because um, next week it's going to be radically different once I see the movie. Um, 
No spoilers on this one in terms of Star Wars because I haven't seen a trailer. I haven't seen... I saw the teaser uh, with... Uh, I'm going to say Kylo Ren. Um, Ray uh, lifting rocks or something. Um, and, you know, Mark Hamill going, this is the end of the, you know, Jedi, blah, 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 blah. The Jedi should have ended or some bullshit. Um, I don't know. I The only things I do know... 100%, other than what you've told me, which fight scenes are excellently choreographed, the only, the only two things I can possibly know at this point, having not seen the movie, are A, those weird corgi uh, penguin porgs. hybrids, porgs. Mm-hmm. They're super cute. I know. And I just, and don't confirm, please don't, but I just assume they kill Princess Leia. Because, you know, that has to happen because it happened in real life, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen a trailer. I don't know. Well, the only thing I'm going to say, and I did put up an Instagram post about this, is that Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, totally seems like the kind of guy who would sing Morrissey in the shower and masturbate. And probably does. Like in real life. <laughs> You made me laugh so hard I splashed coke in my eye. Like he's a, it's a girlfriend in a coma. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, either please, please, please. No, it'd be girlfriend in a coma. No, it has to be something more self-loathing. Okay. Like heaven knows I'm miserable now. I don't know those songs at all. Do you so. know them if you heard them? But yes. No, I probably wouldn't. I'm trying to avoid the Smiths at, at, at any given point. Um, so Moving on. Yep. So that is the no Star Wars yet note uh, on this. Um, Walking Dead mid-season finale. Speaking of spoilers, there will be spoilers on this one. So the war has... Fucking Daryl. Fucking Daryl. Okay. I know you all go, if he died, like, I'd be really mad. And, like, all the ladies go, oh, I, he makes me so wet. I think at this point in the series, it'd be okay if they killed him off. But, like, three seasons ago, they that should... would have been a, I agree. a series ender. But, goddammit, he went against Rick's wishes in terms of the war. Mm-hmm. And let the saviors out. Gave them a way out. Which you know was going to happen. I mean, obviously. Because it's a mid-season finale. Like, you can't just leave the saviors in sanctuary. Yeah, for like the whole season and go. And then everything worked out. Like, that's not going to happen. That's the opposite of conflict. But you think they could have found a better way? No, I think they found the best way for Daryl to fuck up everything. So that Negan comes out and goes, ha ha, I'm out. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm out of sanctuary. I, I escaped your walker trap. Thanks, Daryl. Which, by the way, is the guy who he had, like, trapped in a room listening to this disgusting pop song and being fed dog food. Like, yeah, I get that Daryl wants him to die, but, like, why give him a way out? 
which you didn't know it would, but it did. So fuck you, Daryl. That's referred to as like the Bond conflict, where the supervillain always leaves Bond alone to die, and that gives him the opportunity to escape. I guess. Um, I could break that down, but I, I, I won't. Um, but... No, Mr. Negan, I expect you to die. Well, it'd be like... I can't even do Daryl's voice, so I, I won't do that. But I'd be like, Oh, hi, Negan! <laughs> I expect you to die, and then join SAG. It was all for SAG. Um, which apparently is one of Tommy Rousseau's lines. Uh, not in the movie, but like just in general life. Um... But yeah, so Daryl gave them a way out. Uh, they escaped the sanctuary. They decide to strike back against Rick and his forces, as they would. Like you do. And uh, that leads to all of Alexandria. Well, A, you've got Hilltop, which is led by Maggie, the widow. Mm-hmm. Um, they call her because Negan killed Glenn. Glenn comics and show, so no spoilers there on, uh, hopefully. It's um, been a while. It has been a while on both of those things. But, um, so they basically, like, uh, what is it, Negan's right-hand guy, um, played by Seth Ogg, whose character's name I can't remember, um, says, like, I can either kill, like, your entire fucking team, or you can just go back and grow me some fruit or something, or, uh, 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 what, what's Zendum gum or whatever it was that they used for all their cooking. Um, and Maggie says, yes, fine. Ends up at the Helltop, says this will be the last stand of the war. So she's already calling it out. Um, the kingdom has been taken over by the, uh, the, the, by the saviors and says, this is where we will stay. Give us your king who is effectively emotionally broken since we inadvertently killed his tiger. Uh. I know. It was rough. Um, and Jerry's broken down, too. Yeah. Which sucks ass, because we love Jerry. Um, and then there's Alexandria, which has been driven to the sewers. Thanks to Carl. Great. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for being a better Rick uh, than Rick was. Unfortunately, he'd been bitten. And Chandler Rigg, the actor's dad, has already come out and said, like, he's not going to survive the next episode. He's done. Wow, that was kind of a douchey thing to do. It was. Um, based on, I think, that Chandler Riggs is, like, going to be going to college, whatever it is. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think so, his dad just couldn't wait. So for we, yeah, so, I mean, we were like, oh, holy fuck, like, Carl's been bitten. And it's in the in the gut. It's in the you know, torso yeah. area. So yeah. it's like there's no way you're gonna cut off an arm or a leg or whatever. Well, there's no way you can take the poison out. Right. Um, so Carl's gone uh, as of February when it comes back. Which is a little bit too bad because he was finally kind of coming into his own and stopping being such a whiny little pain in the ass. He was stu- He was done being Carl. Yeah. Like yeah, I agree. Um, and in the comics, this is the biggest. Um, differential that they've gone from the comics to the to the show, where Carl is still alive in the, the comics. comics. Yep. Um, him and Rick have like become the team in Alexandria post-war. 
Because the comics is way ahead way, of the war. Way, yeah. way ahead of the war. Um, so to kill Carl, that's a huge difference. Um, and what is that going to show Rick? And the thing is, that whole episode, the midseason finale, had Carl saying to Rick, yeah, we could kill them, but that doesn't show that we're better than them. Pretty much. To keep them alive and rehabilitate them shows we're better than them, want to build a better world, so forth, so on. So what do you think that Rick's going to do without Carl being his moral compass? Well, I, based on comic and show, I think that Rick's going to keep Negan alive yeah. in a basement, <laughs> in a jail cell, like he did in the comics. Okay. But without Carl to be there, I don't know what's going to happen post-war. Now, during the war... I think he's going to use Carl as a lightning rod and say, he wanted me to be better, I will gonna, be better. You think he's going to martyr him? No. Oh, no. Jeez. I, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I, I don't think he's going to use Carl as a martyr. You think uh, he'll just use him as a motivation for himself? To become better post-war, post... Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think this is a way for Rick to get... To where Carl is in the comics. So I think that's where Walking Dead is going to go. Um, I think that's where Rick is going to use Carl, not necessarily as a lightning rod or a martyr, but I think as like a personal moral compass, yeah. yeah. What okay. you brought up. Okay. Um, you know, we've seen that uh, King Ezekiel has a... a well, he's... He's literally against a wall in a hard place. Um, he's uh, cordoned himself to take on the saviors with no one to help him. And we don't know what's going to happen there. Oh, I just, he's so sad he doesn't have his tiger. I'm sad he doesn't have his tiger. But the question is, what happens when the insurgents against the saviors... If they lose one of the three, which is Rick, the widow, Maggie, mm -hmm. or the widow, the widow yeah. and the king, Ezekiel, they have to lose one of them to add, to build conflict. So, if they... And have... if, if they kill Maggie while she's still pregnant, oh, like, no. that's, a, that's a thing. Like, holy fuck, you killed a pregnant lady. Like, what the fuck? So I think Ezekiel is going to be the one to go. It wouldn't surprise me. I really think they should give Rick a cool nickname, though. Like the douche. Rictatorship or no, the, the Rictator. The Rictator is actually pretty funny. He managed to get the, what I don't remember what they called him, but like the junkyard group. And he's like, okay, like we got him. And like, all you got to do is fall back and they fucking ran away. And left him on his own to take out what was left of the saviors at the sanctuary. Where Rick went, okay, Riddles, I can't do this. And then all of my weird, uh, retarded junkyard people ran away. Oh, they're... She's on a spectrum. The head of that is on a spectrum. She's on a spectrum. Somehow, someway, she's that guy from Boston Legal. She's somewhere. On, on on that. I don't care what you 
think that I just use the R word. I don't care. She's she's Jerry from Boston Legal. Absolutely. Are you done? Well, I mean, she doesn't have the weird, you know, text and stuff, but she just runs away because she's like, conflict. Like, can't read a social cue. <laughs> You're laughing. I'm not laughing. You're laughing a little bit. All right, so <clears throat> you recently got through all of Punisher. I did, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about some of it. Well, um, you made it through what? One and a half. One and a half. I just got to the point where uh, Frank shows up in micros, 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 uh, micros um, like little hub. He has like a self-contained hub. I like to think of it as like the underground glass house. I like it. Okay, yeah. So I just got to the point where like he got to Micros. Like he tracked him down using uh, black dude that runs the therapy Curtis. group. Curtis, thank you. Um, well, it was it was Curtis, and he had the help of um, Karen. He, he had Karen. Yes. So, uh, nice to see Karen pop up. I, I guess she's, like, a main character on the series? Yes and no. She does show back up again later, but she's not in every episode character. Okay. Reoccurring. Yeah. Okay. She's, like, night nurse reoccurring. Do you... I've got a question about that. Yeah. Do you think... Who ties together the, the Netflix Marvel series together better? Night nurse, uh, Rosario Dawson, mm-hmm. uh, Claire, or... Carol and Wall, uh, Karen Page. I actually think that it's all. I was going to say. I also think that it's. Um, Carrie, and did they change I think it's Carrie and Moss too. Hogarth. Does she pop up and punish her? She does not. But okay. I think it's a combination of those three uh, female characters together. They tie everything together because you don't have one in everything, but you do have one of them in each series. So I think all three of them are subsidiary characters. I mean, obviously in Jessica Jones. Carrie Ann Moss has a little bit of a larger role. Same in uh, Iron Fist? Kind of. Okay. I was going to say, but I think all three of them together tie together the whole series. And I think it was very smart of them not to have one character like Night Nurse pop up in every series. I think okay. it was smart to kind of... I was going to say, I think it was smart to kind of... To delegate kind of well, the, the connective tissue. Like I said, because I think it'd be gimmicky if they just had one character that popped up in every series. But Iron they have, Man. Yeah, pretty much. But they have the connective tissue of these characters that have interacted with each other and interacted with other superheroes that tie everything together. And you do have Night Nurse setting that up, uh, Rosario Dawson's mm-hmm. character. But I think that Karen Page has kind of taken over that, where she's tied with Daredevil, she's tied with Punisher. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it is well, you remember she did have a connection with Punisher, though, in Daredevil. Yeah. So it makes complete sense that she pops up again. Do they explain the whole, like, Darede- uh, Daredevil? Do they explain the whole, like, Punisher, they think he's dead thing? It comes up more. Okay, because I don't remember that from Daredevil Season 2, where he finds out who killed his uh, family, which, spoiler alert in the first two episodes, could be him. Um... I mean, indirectly. But, like, they have this whole sequence, and it's really quick, in the first episode, where Punisher's taking out the people that were responsible for the death of his family, but I don't remember him faking his death at all. 
which is like a huge part of the first two se- uh, two episodes. So you have micros, say or micro saying, which I love that they have micro. Um, micro saying, played by uh, Wayne Knight in Warzone, like let that let that sink in. Um, where micro says, "You're not the only dead man. You're not the only ghost in New York." Um, no, I, I'm pretty sure they but added in. I don't remember like Punisher. No, I'm faking his death because they talk about. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt. I just want to get to love interrupting. Well, no, but I, I, I just want to make sure that you're not answering a question I may get to. Um, that they do differentiate Frank Castle versus Frank Cagliastro or Pete. whatever. Pete. Is it? Oh, is it Pete? Oh my God, that makes so much more sense in the second episode. There you go. But. I don't remember him faking his death in Daredevil season two. I'm pretty sure he did. Did he? It's the last thing I remember him doing was. I watched it, but I'm pretty sure he did. I just remember him like him coming in like shooting a whole bunch of hand ninjas, and then like there's that like kind of tip of the hat like, thanks for the help, Frank, Um, and that was it. Like, and then this puncher happens that he's gone on since Daredevil season two. Killed everyone that was responsible for his family's death, and then faked his own death to start anew as some guy who they think is mentally. Well, it's just because he's quiet. Issued. Uh, eh. He does have a very. And he's, I was gonna say, he's very task oriented because he's kind of <laughs> trying to work the anger out. Yeah, on one specific wall. No, um, no, they're tearing down the whole building. It's not just one wall. Yeah, but. Yeah, um, but I don't remember him faking his death. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because I swear I have a memory in there of him doing that. But it's also, in Daredevil season two. But it's been a while since I watched it. That Karen like helps him get out of that, yeah. and she goes, "Here are the people I've effectively publicly killed you, or I mean whatever, or you died in X, Y, and Z, um, probably in prison with the kingpin. But the kingpin's gotta know he's still alive, I guess. I don't know." I'm gonna I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Yeah, now. Daredevil season two was kind of disjointed in in that with the Punisher. So I just remember him. I don't remember him faking his own death or faking his death. Okay. Well, like I said, I'll have to go back. Is is my only issue? Where like walking into it, I'm like, what? And then I'm like, okay. And then he just chucks a whole bunch of people into a cement mixer. Um which was fucking metal. It was a cement pit, actually, not a. It was a foundation pit. You're right. But are we going to talk about the text message I got from you after the first five seconds? The first thirty seconds of that, like I'm not including like a opening. Oh, and I want to opening talk, credits. I want to talk about the credits, but let's okay. go, let's go ahead. Um, that like he's like teaching his like daughter guitar mm-hmm. is the flashback, and then it flash forwards to him like in real time like playing the guitar and he's playing like uh, hot cross buns or some bullshit um and you're like oh fuck he's still killing people for his family regardless of whether like he's punched them or not it seems and then you have that scene in the middle of I believe season or episode 2 where he's like on the the, the ferry to um, the Statue of Liberty, and he's rewatching like his family and his kid, 
and he realizes his kid's eerily racist. But it's like him watching his family from outside of his own experience. Like, it's fucking nutty and awesome. Well, there's a reoccurring theme in there where he keeps kind of reliving a very specific moment between him and his wife. And it, Oh, where she kisses him up the face. Where she, she wakes him up. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, and he keeps... And you get little bits of that kind of added. And then the guy from... Um, what is it? Uh... Afghanistan shooting her in that. Yeah. I was going to say. Is that him? It's him. It's totally him, right? You're just going to have to watch and see now, aren't Motherfucker, you? Motherfucker, it's totally him. I was going to say, you told me no spoilers. Okay. But like I said, you get little bits and pieces of it's that. the memory of him killing her in the head. Killing her in the head? Yep. That's how you're going to phrase that one. Yep. But I think they did very well establishing really early on exactly how gory that series was going to be. <laughs> Well, and how, I mean, it's the Punisher. Like, he's going to be brutal. Well, and that's the thing that people have kind of always liked about the Punisher is he doesn't have hang-ups like other superheroes about killing people. He just fucking kills them. He kills them hard. And he's a torture, When they're bad too. guys. Yeah, when they're bad guys, and he's a torture. And he does too. have that, like, and you've seen that in the first, at least one episode, two episodes, and even in Daredevil, where it's like, uh, there was a part where I believe they're setting up a meeting between the Punisher and Micro in... Like the diner? Yeah. And he says, like, if he's clean and he's whatever, like, if he's not corrupt, he's fine. He has nothing to worry about from me. Have you met Micro's wife yet? Yes. Okay. How does a man that scruffy marry a woman that good looking? And like, by the way, did he look do... that scruffy when you first met him? Because at the very beginning, like, he's like, welcome back, Frank, which I love that reference. Welcome back, Frank. Is a reference to the name of the trade paperback from uh, Garth Ennis, but like he looks really clean cut. He looks really. It really depends on his state of mind, how disheveled he looks, because it goes kind of back. Micro. And, yes, it kind of goes back and forth. Because he on looked like a really homeless Brandon Walsh in <laughs> that second episode. It really depends, like I said, on his state of mind, how disheveled he looks. Google Brandon Walsh. Don't worry about it. But it's one of those things where you start seeing flashbacks of him with his family, and he still has that fucking beard and long really? hair. And I'm like, how did you marry a woman this good looking, kind of looking like a douche? Well, and is it... He looks really... I'll avoid the word. And say, really for the gumpy. Well, the thing is... Like, I guess he looks very... Like, with that haircut, like, it looks... I would have styled him differently. Yes. But like, when he's in the military, great. But, like, post, he should have had, like, chain level, like, just a really close crop. Like, he should look more like Shane. It's so... Sun, sun beard. It's so satisfying, though, when Frank finally shaves off the beard and cuts his hair again. Second, season, uh, second episode. So satisfying. Because it's like you can barely recognize him when he looks like this giant kind of, you know, Arctic explorer. Did you actually... I honestly thought of Superman from Man of Steel. It's been a while since I watched Man of Steel. Like, where he has the, the beard and all that, and he's, oh, like, yeah. working on the oil rigs. Yep. And then he saves a guy, so he's got to shave off his beard with a heat vision, because you never see that in, you know, the comics or the movie. But, but like, yeah, like, he's just hiding out, and it's like, yeah, I'll make him look like Superman from Man of Steel. Like, giant fuck-off beard. Um, well, no, I get it. That's and and shitty haircut. 
like I said, I get it though. It's he didn't care about his appearance, and it was an easy way to hide himself. Like he gave zero fucks about his appearance. So you know, he just kind of let it go. Okay. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the to the rest of the series. Um, you've it's, you've it's, watched. I really, like I said, I really want you to get to a specific Afghanistan flashback because it is. Like, I think well, I know that there's a video of him popping some dude in the head. This is this is completely different. Okay. Um, in terms of and then the n- last, no, no spoilers. One oh. of the last battles. <sighs> there's a horrible torture scene, and then the fight after that is just like almost. Did they torture the puncher? Oh fuck! Almost exhausting to watch. Wow. You're just like like an irreversible rape scene. Yeah. Or the rape scene from Irreversible, anyway. Yeah. Um, which is an irreversible rape scene. He spends a lot of the series just drenched in gore. And only some of it his. Actually, he gets injured a lot. Uh, they make reference to that very early on, where it's like, what are those scars? Look like bullet holes, look like blah, blah, blah. So, what I want to know from you, that you've watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of critique... Uh, a lot of criticism in that a this does not pertain a whole lot to the Netflix Marvel you know thing so okay well that answers my question on that one so does it have to he has a completely different philosophy from almost any other Netflix superhero but he is operating out of chunks of New York so why wouldn't you I think him and Daredevil basically have a tacit agreement to stay out of each other's fucking way. As for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones or Iron Fist, I don't fucking know. Well, Iron Fist is more Upper Upper East Side, but yeah. Well, Iron Fist is busy fucking off. As Um, for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, I don't know, maybe they're busy banging through walls. Probably not now. I mean, it's kind of established they... Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. Um, so... Secondly, I've heard that this has a missed opportunity to talk about the gun violence in America. I would not say missed opportunity. I would not say missed opportunity because they actually do make reference to it in kind of an extraneous subplot. Which I didn't think was going to tie in, but did eventually tie in. And the subplot is also a little bit about vet, vet treatment and PTSD. So I feel like both those, like all three of those things are kind of tied in. However, speaking of gun violence, the opening credits, I fucking hate them. I actually, they kind of grew on me. They did one cool thing, which is the image at the very end of uh, the very end where it's all the. No, see, that's my issue. The end. I I think the end. I think the end of the opening credits sucks. I don't like. I feel like. They have- all of the... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. They have all of the bullets, like, all of, like, the rifle bullets, like, line up to, like, you know, the Punisher skull. It's actually and then guns, but okay. Or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's rifles guns. and such. Yeah. It all lines up to the Punisher skull, and then they cut to the worst opening logo. Like, the worst designed logo for the Punisher I've ever seen. Well, I like the guns lining up to the skull. I don't like what comes afterwards. Absolutely. I agree that's, with you. That's what I was But I like the, like, the, the, like, uh, 
inverted like uh, mushroom cloud and gunshots. I feel like it's too long. Um. Okay. And I just it's just. I don't have an opinion on that one. One way or the other. Consider well, compare it to like the Daredevil or the Luke Cage opening. Even Jessica Jones. I just don't remember the Jessica Jones opening. It's long. But like I said, I just I. It's long. I'm so glad Netflix added the skip uh, skip intro button. Okay. I think I think that's all I can talk about for now since you haven't watched very much of it. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. Whatever that was. They're just throwing things. That was the biggest mic drop you've ever had. Blam. Blam. I'm sure it's just them throwing something in an empty dumpster. Um. And then again. That was your mic drop. So, post my mic drop. Um, we had to stop and pick up the mics. We had to clunk, or the opposite of clunk, which is, I think, phonetically still clunk. What was it that you and I were talking about the opposite of sploosh and both made the weird sucking noise? This so is, this that, is why uh, we're friends. That, 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 that equivalent of clunk. Um, Wouldn't it be like... Like it would be like reverse, like Eminem, like yeah, um, be like wah, 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 wah. yeah. So anyway, enough of mouth sounds. Um, <clears throat> mouth sounds. I did get uh, taken out for my birthday to go to the comic book store and bought some new books. Um, and I, a toy. Huh? Funko. And your dilemma of the Funkos. What dilemma of the Funkos? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, oh, I was going to go to the comic books, but yeah. Um, I did get drawn into a dilemma whether I should have bought the animated Batman Bane Funko or the Mask of the Phantasm, Phantasm Funko, which effectively everyone uh, that worked at the comic book store was like, get the Phantasm, you're out of your fucking mind. And the one guy who... Brought me that, there, went Bane, and I went, you're in the wrong. I bet you that Phantasm's a lot harder to find than Bane. That was part of it, um, as well as, like, just, like, I, I know his logic of that. I, I can do the Bane voice, and I, I do it at work all the time. It's a different not all Bane. It is a very different Bane. But, uh, you know, he thought, oh, Bane. Like, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not knocking him. Like, he doesn't know. He doesn't know Mask of the Phantasm. He's ignorant. He is ignorant. In terms of Mask of the Phantasm, which came out in like 1993, which I had on VHS after I got a facial surgery. That was my present for getting a facial surgery. In case you're wondering. I feel like there's a lot more to that story, but I'm not going to ask. I had face surgery, uh, and I got the VHS as a present with the uh, uh, comic book that came with it. It was awesome. Uh, it was illustrated by Bruce Tim, and I wish I still had it. Oh. I know, right? Yeah. So, anyway. The books that you got. Thank you. Um, I will say some of the books that I've got... I want to get into one thing which I got. The Speaking of Batman, I got the Rebirth Batman Beyond book. Okay. Uh, called Escape... I think it's... Escaping the Grave or Escape from the Grave or some bullshit like that. And it's all about Batman Beyond uh, or Terry McGinnis 
um, reestablishing himself as Batman without Bruce Wayne in his ear, um, trying to take on someone who may or may not be bringing back the Joker uh, from the dead, literally from a corpse. Um, I'm not going to spoil a whole lot on that story. My only issue in that is, thanks fucking DC, to making something so... You want to make, like, Rebirth, like, New Year's can get into it. Great! Oh, it was very inaccessible for people that weren't up on their history, wasn't it? I never read the new 52 Batman Begins. I'm sorry, Batman uh, Beyond. Beyond. I never read that. And they, they, he did they, he did get involved in Convergence. Now, that's Marvel. But, no, that's DC. Convergence is DC, right? I think so. Correct. Um... Apparently, there was an entire war in Gotham versus some kind of cyborgs in which Bruce Wayne is assumed dead. And Spellbinder from the show, who's kind of a mysterious, Batman's Mysterio, or Batman Beyond's Mysterio, so to speak, uh, Spellbinder abducts Terry McGinnis's Batman for like months on end. Where people think Terry McGinnis is dead. Okay. So, that is not accessible to me reading the rebirth where he's like, well, after the cyborg war and people thought I was dead for six months. You're like, wait, cyborg war? And I'm like, yeah, it's like, stop cyborg. Okay. Stop burying I can, the lead. I, I, can, I can accept that a bad guy abducted you and held you in a room where you couldn't communicate or whatever. For six months, and they think you're dead. I can get my hand, my, my brain around that. But stop. What do you mean, cyborg war? Where Bruce Wayne is assumed dead. What? So now I have three previous Batman Beyond books I've got to buy. Well, you don't have to. Well, I want to. Fair enough. To explain the one I've got. So, I mean... I don't understand why you would, once again, reboot your universe, blah, 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 fucking DC, to make it more accessible, and then make but it still less keep the continuity that makes it inaccessible. Like, it doesn't make any sense to do that. It's the six of one, half dozen of another. Yeah, we're going to make it, it more accessible. It also happens to be like... But you have to start from the beginning. And Dan Jurgens, the guy who writes the new Batman Beyond, is not known for tying up his loose ends. He is the Chris Claremont of DC. Speaking of making things inaccessible, let's name drop. Chris Claremont is known for his hanging plot lines in Marvel's X-Men comics in the 70s and 80s. Oh, actually, I did know that. Yeah. And Dan Jurgens is DC's Chris Claremont. You know, he's also heir to the Jurgens Lotion family. Spelled differently. Oh, come on, that was funny. It was. <coughs> you really are getting all her cold, aren't you? Yeah. Did you just burp, too? A little bit. <clears throat> That's why I brought water, so I could try to mitigate the, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> So the other books I bought, 
kind of funny the way it kind of shook out. Okay. And Deb, you'll like this. Um, I didn't mean to rebuild part of my library. Um, I just bought the books that they had on sale and interested me. Yeah. Which turned out to be, and what is the common thread here, if you can pick it out? Authority Book 1, Authority Book 2, Planetary. Aren't all those um, Warren Ellis books? Yes. Well, Authority Book 2 is Mark Miller taking over for Warren Ellis. Well, but yes, yes, Authority 1 was... Yeah. I'll... So I'm apparently rebuilding my old Warren Ellis library. You say that like it's a bad thing. That's an awesome thing. I, well, it's that I've, I have already read them, and there are some really good things I'm going to bring up in a second. I think it might be time for me to reread Gun Machine. Okay. I should have talked about my mom about that uh, last couple days. Oh, I was trying to talk to somebody about what I think is like an almost perfect detective novel. That would not be... No, I was no, I wasn't talking about that. I was actually talking about um, another Coop Heist series. Yeah, and they were like, "Well, what other kind of books do you like about that that also have humor, but kind of a mystery?" I'm like, "Well, Gun Machine's a good one because mm-hmm. it's funny, but it's also kind of a mystery." Where does uh, Crooked Little Vein fall on that one? That was his first book. It's a little mm-hmm. bit too episodic. Okay. It, it's he writes it like he's still a comic book writer. Absolutely. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's a really enjoyable book, but he has these like very weird little sub adventures that don't tie in very well to the rest of the book. And chapter breaks. Yeah. Like it is very it's yeah very... episodic. You're right. Um. So I've been rereading. Uh. I got through the authority book one. Um. But I did flip through, and I've got to say this because twenty years later, mm-hmm. folks. When Planetary came out in 1998, 1999, right in there, they had this issue that came out where these um, Japanese cultists go to like Monster Island in the frozen, you know, Netherlands, um, and there's this one line, this one line, the very beginning of the comic, where this one Japanese guy says. It is good to have our gentles frozen into small blue dead things. Oh. Oh. I remember reading that line 20 years ago. So you gotta imagine, I was in my late teens. Picking this up for the first time and going, Who is this writer? I want to know. And that sparks... Me talking to, to Warren Ellis, me worshipping at his altar, uh, becoming a, a co-protege with Mark Miller, uh, he did much better than I did. Um, you realize to this day, when people ask me what my favorite comic is, I still say Transmetropolitan. Transmet was oh, one of those books. That's one of those, like, if you read a stray line, you're like, Let's go take a dump the size of a birthday cake and a christening vat, or whatever. What, what's the one where he's, like, dressed up as Santa Claus and has the, like, bag full of dogs over his shoulder? That is one of the... It's a, it's, a, it's an off story. It, it, no, it's... Where he goes to, like, the religious convention or something. No, 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 no. You're getting too different confused. Uh, no, you're right. He's dressed as an angel at the religious convention. He's dressed as Jesus. He's, he's all fucked up on uh, Jumpstart, I believe, this drug. I think that was the drug. Um, no, you're thinking of... There was these... These two, I guess you call them anthology books? Yeah, because it was like Zero and 
point five or something like yeah, that? Yeah, but it was I hid it here and Phil from the City, I believe, is one of them. But yeah, it's the kind of like weird one. Like he would do like these weird like one or two page. Just like, um, it was like quick it was, glances. Were like spiders columns, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and this, one of them is talking about like mounting puppies to mute the bells in a church or something. Something like. And who that. would ever do that except for like the anti Santa Claus, which he was. Um, but one, yeah, he, it still has the best line of all time that makes me smile every time I even think about it. Does the chair leg of truth look stupid to you, Frank? That's very late in the series, yeah. What does it say? It says, shut the fuck, fuck up, up, Fred! <laughs> so, i um, been reading uh, Old School Warren Ellis and totally holds up. Um, you know, the fact that the first Authority book ends with, spoiler alert from 20 years ago, uh, Jenny Sparks electrocuting what is considered God's brain... And they say only Jenny Sparks could have stopped the apocalypse by going, like, mid-America execution style or, like, mid-Texas execution style. It's great. Um, <coughs> God, I'm really fucking common. Do you want to talk about video games now? When I stop coughing, yeah. Talking about things, thing. Talking about things I'm revisiting. Um, I do want to get into a little bit of a video game talk. Um, we talked about it last week, and I don't think we really brought it up that much. Um, I finally got to the end of Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, I don't want to get into a whole lot of spoilers, because uh, I think it's a great game. We should all play it. Um, but I think, you know, you probably see the war between the tribes and the machines happening. Um, that shit's fucking epic. Uh, I didn't think the fight between the, like, me and the, like, head acolyte was that hard. I think I got kind of oversold with a few friends where they were like, Oh my god, like, fighting that guy's a pain in the ass. No, it's not. And you know why Why it wasn't, Deb? Why? Because they had the... The downloadable content out with me mm-hmm. before them. Oh, okay, got it. So I got a chance to, like, bump up to maximum level, pimp out my weapons... Fight robot bears. The robot bears aren't an issue, Deb. It's the weird gorilla fire things. The the fire gorillas. <sighs> fire claws. I I they gave me PTSD. I'll be perfectly fucking honest. And not to, you know, shortchange our friends who actually suffer from PTSD. But they never had to fight gorillas filled with liquid fire. Fair enough. Maybe only in their post, you know, war hallucinations. Yeah, I mean, they went through the shit. And I went through, like, the, like, weird fictional sub-shit. But I still went through the sub-shit. Um, so I got through the the war on... Uh, so my point was that the war between the acolyte, uh, the head acolyte, uh, Helis, wasn't 
I didn't think that hard, but once again, I had been kind of bumped up through the DLC. Um, but hey, when you have to fight against three things called Deathbringers, well, there's a giant bird, metal giant bird called a Stormbird, shooting lightning at you while you're trying to kill three Deathbringers. That is some shit. Um, not compared to, you know, real... Okay, you don't like that I'm doing that. But, nope, I don't. Uh, so the end was fucking heartbreaking, where she finds the... Uh, she goes on to... Oh, I said no spoilers on this one. Uh, but I will say the end is, is heartbreaking. Okay. Uh, her whole... Uh, Aloy's whole thing... Where it ends... Oh, fucking heartbreaking. Um... I did uh, play and beat the entirety of it. Ratchet and Clank, which we talked about the movie months ago. Uh, the movie was based on the game. The movie is effectively all of the cutscenes without any of the like weird stray shit you do in the middle, like beating hoverboard medal, uh, winning medals in the hoverboard competitions, or unlocking the laser blocks, or anything like that. Um, I will say it took me about two, three days to beat. Like, I mean, I did run through it. Um, I didn't get any of the extra special trophies or any of that crap. I just ran through the storyline, probably about a eight to ten hour game. Um, but it was a nice palate cleanser, uh, to the over a hundred hours I played Horizon. Well, what do you think you're going to play next? Well, therein lies the rub, Deb. You've now opened a barrel of monkeys. Um, I'll be playing uh, Barrel of Monkeys. Barrel of Monkeys. And, uh, which is uh, about a bunch of um, genetically engineered monkeys uh, armed with uh, killer barrels. That Okay, that just makes it sound like Donkey Kong, really. That's what I was about to say. Like, I know, right? Like, I'm just describing Donkey Kong, really. Um, the PlayStation equivalent of Donkey Kong. No, um... Jokes aside, I will be, um, I got Injustice 2 for a great price. It's, it's on sale at Target. It's real nice. I got it at Target. Um. It's okay. I had to go build a gift basket at Target at 10 o'clock last night. Ooh, pray tell. Nothing important. It's right back there. Do you want to just do our nonsense? No, I wanted to cough, but you're not going to talk over me. So, um, uh, the game I'm going to play is probably, I got Injustice, but, like, goddamn, if fighting games aren't so fucking advanced now, like, now it's like, it's you... It's kind of a commitment. <coughs> so the whole thing is, like, it's not just, like, Hard, hard punch, kick, people die. Jump. Yeah, jump, dodge, duck. Um, or all of the rules to dodge ball. Um, if you hit them back, then somebody gets to come out of your jail. <laughs> was it duck, duck, dip, dive, dodge, something or other. Um, but anyway, this has the got five like... five Ds? God damn it. Yeah. If you can dodge a wrench, you can, you can dodge, dodge a ball. ball. <laughs> um, so... This whole thing has got, like, if you're backed up into a corner, there's an environmental... Environmental? 
there's an environmental trigger where you can hit R1 or L1 or whatever it is, plus X, and you flip out and you punch some guy through like three walls. See, this is why I'm bad at video games. There's too many buttons. Yeah, no, so, no, but like the thing is like this fighting game is way too fucking, it's way too, the controls are, ugh. Just spit out your thought. Too complicated. Okay. The controls are way too complicated. It's too... I, I miss Street Fighter where it's like punch, punch, kick, dead. Okay. Or just hit X a bunch and then Blanca electrocutes someone and I win. Um, so what I'll probably be playing, to, to get your point, is that Injustice 2 is... There's a little fly, sorry. Okay. Uh, Injustice 2 is a little bit too complex of a fighting game, which... Whatever. I don't know why fighting games have to be that complex anymore. Um, and I get that to keep up with, but um, I'll probably be getting into in terms of like a big, like open world uh, game again. I'm gonna get into Bloodborne. Okay. Which I have no idea what it's about. It looks fucking epic, um, and apparently I play like some kind of psycho plague doctor. It, it, it seems very. Um, What's that uh, Alan Moore comic? Um, that doesn't narrow it down. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. Like, it's very... Not the, like, not the movie. The movie is terrible. The comic. Correct. But it is very, like, I play a plague doctor, and I've got to fight mutant plague things or something or yeah. other. Um, while probably fighting up, you know, my own origin, because that's how all these games go nowadays. Um, I don't know. Maybe... I think I'm just like some kind of weird plague doctor task force. I'm not quite sure. But that's what I'll be playing. Bloodborne. So I'll talk about it next week when I get into it. If I don't just say fuck it and try to get into the impenetrable controls that are Injustice League 2. Or Injustice 2. Though I do, you know, kind of want to punch the man over and over again. again Because fuck him. Alright then. Nonsense? A uh, big mistake I made was spending 30 bucks, I mean, uh, better than 60, on Injustice 2. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't do much this week. I probably spent too much time sleeping. I wouldn't call that a mistake, though. Well, I worked six days, and you can hear all about it on... Damn. Last week's damn and this week's, because last week's was kind of a truncated version of the list you cannot see... Uh, this week will be a longer version of it because I had, like, no fucking time to record. Um, Social contract? It's the holiday season. Remember that everybody's just as miserable as you are. Yeah, up to and including Santa. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.